message. Please write volume one on the three last messages. I didn't know we would end up in more than one volume. The way it's turning out, that seems to be occurring. So Judith, please help me put volume one under the title. There are three. This is the third message. Am I right? Okay. Volume one. And put it on the on your CDs or wherever. Our top subject this time is the word faith. What's our subject? The word faith. Let me explain. Understand the various shades of meanings of the word faith as used in the Bible. Message number three. The word faith in the New Testament, part two. Is that clear? Okay, here's what we've been dealing with. Uh, the reason why we are doing this is that personally, I've come to found out that that word faith is a word that is everywhere used in the Bible. But even at that, it has many shades of meanings. I, I'm sure you've been seeing the shades of meanings. Is that correct? And because it has shades of meanings, it therefore means that if there is no understanding of this fact that it has shades of meanings, then there will be a lot of confusion and controversies about the subject or the truth and doctrine of faith. And this confusion and controversy cannot be resolved unless we come to the realization that that word faith has various shades of meanings in the whole Bible. Are you all following you? And uh, since the Bible as a whole has different original languages behind the modern English translation from each other, and so we are bound to have different shades of meaning of this one subject, faith. For instance, in the New Testament, we made, in the Old Testament, we made some observations. And here are some of the observations. The first observation we made in the Old Testament about that word faith is that in the Old Testament, it is used, even though the subject of faith is everywhere present in the Old Testament, but the idea of faith and the word of faith are used mostly in the verb form. Did we notice that? Or what's the verb form for the word faith? To believe or believe. Amen? With exception of one passage in the Old Testament, Habakkuk 2.4, where that word faith was used in the, whole of, in, the non, in the noun form in the whole of the Old Testament. Only one place. But you can't walk away and say because that word faith was used in its noun form in one place in the Old, old Covenant. You cannot say that there was no presence of the word faith in the Old Testament. Am I making sense to anybody here? Okay? So, but the problem is this. I'm sorry. Please. So, that is the first thing. So, we, and we found out that even that belief form, in that verb form, that the word faith 
appears in the Old Testament, even in that form, there are two different words for the same, for the one word translated faith in the Old Testament. One is aman, from where we derive the modern, uh, the, the other Hebrew word. Ben. Amen? Okay, and that means to be firm, you know, to stand firm to a truth. And to the point you can say, so be it. Decided, settled. That's the meaning of that word, a man. So when you see it in the Old Testament, you see the word believe. That's the English word. And believe in that sense means to stand firm to a biblical truth. To the extent that you can say, no matter what the circumstances are, it is settled. Why? Because this is what God said, and I believe it. Meaning, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are showing me. As long as this is what God says, what God says stands. Does anybody follow? The other word is emuna, meaning faithfulness. In other words, that faithfulness applies to both God and the believer. As far as God is concerned, it is that God is dependable. God is reliable. Amen? So, when you see that word, you can see the word that God is faithful. And because God is faithful, you respond to him with an attitude of faithfulness. And that, in the English, says you're believing God. And that's in the noun form. That's faith. Are you all following? Man is also expected to be faithful. So that word, faithful, applies also to man. We saw examples in the Old Testament. So that's how the word faith is used in the Old Testament. Let's come to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we found out that the word faith, oh boy, and the concept and the, and the truth and even the experience of faith is everywhere in the New Testament. You know, the Gospels are filled with the word faith especially in the cause of the ministry of Jesus. In the gospel of John alone, the word faith and to believe appear like several times. Even also in the epistles of John. If you ever taken time to study John, John's emphasis is about faith. Or believe, 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 believe. He that believeth. He that believeth in the Son of Man or in the Son of God. He believes in Jesus and so on and so forth. So in the New Testament, it's a different ball game. The word faith occurs many times. That's number one. Both in its noun form and in its what? Verb form. These things, every believer should understand these things so that you don't get confused about faith. And you know, we, we as modern believers, we know only one shade of that meaning of that word faith. Are you following? We're going to talk about that shade. But we began to see that there are at least four shades of the meaning of the word faith in the New Testament. Did we say four? Yes, at least four. I counted. I got four. And please, everything I'm teaching here, you can get deeper into it in my new book. It's by faith through belief. There's a chapter on this. So between now and next Tuesday, you can cover up everything we have taught so far. Amen? But we saw there are four shades of meaning. We started with two last week. Is that correct? The first shade of the word faith in the New Testament is of faith as a religious vocation or as a religious profession or religious confession, meaning a body of belief. Faith is used in that sense as a body of belief. Huh? Or 
as a, a kind of a religious group, a religious body. And in this case, the religious body is Christianity. Is that correct? Okay. And, 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 and that's why Christianity is called a faith. And other religions are called faiths. Have you heard of people talking about the Islamic faith? Huh? Or the Hindu faith? Or the, or the Buddhist faith, faith? Okay? So it's faith or the Christian faith, which is what we are talking about. So faith is used in that sense, not as a means of you receiving something from God. It's used as a body or as a group consisting of people who, listen to this, who have come to the revelation uh, of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord, the Christ and the Lord, and that through his finished work, only through his finished work on the cross, can man receive righteousness with God and walk with God. If you are on that standing, if you stand on that ground, and if you live by that revelation, hallelujah, amen, you are of the faith, the Christian faith. The Bible speaks of this in terms of the expression, the faith. And we saw ab about two or three scriptures. Is that correct? One of the scriptures we read tells us, spoke, spoke about people who are said to be of the household of what? Faith. So faith there is used as a household where people belong. And what is the thing that makes these people? They are people from different backgrounds, different homes, different parenting, parentage, different tribes. But one thing that made them one family is the revelation. Their belief, their standing, and their living on the fact and revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, and the only way to God. And that upon his finished work can man ever have salvation and righteousness with God. That's the faith. So there are times and places in the New Testament you see the word, the expression, the faith. It's not talking about faith as a means whereby you receive something from God. It's talking about faith as a religious body in this type or revelation. Amen? As a revelation or religious body or religious profession or religious vocation. In this case, Christianity. Number two, we began to talk about faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Singular word, fruit, not fruits. But there are nine-fold manifestations of that one fruit. They are called the fruit of the Spirit. And so faith here is as an element of that, a manifestation of that whole fruit of the Spirit. But by the way, what do we mean by the fruit of the Spirit? By the fruit of the Spirit, we mean a certain biblically revealed traits, attributes of God. Traits of God. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, qualities of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which those who are in Christ are endowed with. Um, which the Holy Spirit imparted upon them or in them, in them, 
and which the Holy Spirit enables them to cultivate. So by that means, God's own character is replicated in us. Do you understand? And those fruit of the Holy Spirit, you can call them Christian virtues or Christian attributes or Christian character. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is more about character. You can call them kingdom character or kingdom virtues. We looked at them in Galatians 5. Let's go back quickly to that. Galatians 5, we see them being mentioned. Verse 22, and if you want to really see the difference, you will see the works of, this, of the flesh. They are always in contradiction to the fruit of the Spirit. Quickly, are you in Galatians 5? Please, verse 22. But the fruit, notice it's singular there, of the Spirit is what? Love. You see, naturally man is incapable of love. And love is an attribute of God. Are you following? It's a quality, it's a kingdom, heavenly quality. But the miracle here, the grace here is that even though it is only found in God, true love is only found in God, but Jesus had made it possible that those who believe in him can have that true love of God in their heart by the help of the Holy Spirit. Are you following? Another fruit is joy. Another is peace. Another is patience. Another is kindness. Another is what? Goodness. The next one is what? Faithfulness. Now, in the King James Version, what you see there is what? Faith. I don't know if you understand. So, you can be sorting the... Okay, be, uh, before I get to that, let's, let's see the other. Gentleness, self-control, against such things there's no law. We will study that next time, at another time. But the point is that you can look at that list in the King James Version. You say, oh, I don't have to bother myself with faith. So, faith is a fruit. Well, I've not cultivated that fruit. No. It's talking about a certain shade of meaning of faith. And what's the meaning... The, 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 the appropriate word there, faithfulness. So that faithfulness is one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Are you all following? Let me show you another. So they are virtues. Is kingdom or godly or Christ-like character or virtues imparted to us by the Holy Spirit on, from the Father on the basis of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that clear? So, before we go on to talk about that faithfulness, let's look at under scripture. I think it's First Peter. Let's see these virtues again that constitute the fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at those virtues. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Amen? Second Peter, the first chapter. Amen. Oh, it's coming very slow today. Second Peter chapter 1. Is it coming? Okay. All right. You can be taking, sipping your coffee before it comes. Amen. Simon Peter, born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Look at what they've received. A faith as the same kind of ours. This is faith as a profession. Did you notice that? Uh, it's either called a faith or the faith. The faith. So Peter is talking about those who, other people who worship Christ they, like himself. Are you all following? Aha. Uh -huh. That's one. But then we continue. Of the same kind as ours. So because they have the same faith in Christ, 
the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God and so on and so forth. They are of the same faith. Amen? Okay. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Moving on. Grace and peace be what? Multiplied to you in the knowledge, amen, of God and of Jesus Christ. Next, quickly. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and what? Godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Next, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by loss. Next. Now, for this very reason, now, you're going to see a set of virtues that are not natural to man. This is another listing of the fruit of the Spirit. Applying all diligence in your weight, in your what? In your faith, supply what? Moral excellence. Now, this is the listing. I'm reading this because it's a listing. In your faith. Now, this one faith there, maybe that faith is spoken about before as a Christian character. It may also be the faith by which you receive things from God. But you can't work on just that faith alone. Faith, there are things that will strengthen your faith. For instance, you can't just say, oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. You say, okay, that's true. But you have to add what? Moral what? Excellence. In your moral excellence, you add what? Knowledge. In your knowledge, what do you add? Self-control. You notice this is the fruit of the Spirit also. And in your self-control, what do you add? Perseverance. These are qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate in you. It's not enough for you to go about and say, I have faith. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? If you don't, you will have sheep, make shipwreck wreck of your faith. Are you all following? Okay. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And in your perseverance, oh, you see, this brother, he can persevere in things. But he has to be godly. You know, he can persevere in an ungodly way. Is that true? Okay. In your perseverance, you add what? Godliness. And in your godliness, what do you add? Oh, he's so godly, he can, no sin can touch him. He doesn't watch this, he doesn't watch that. But he can reach out to people. Add what? And when people offend him, he will deal with them. Because he's so holy and so righteous. He would deal severely with them. But the Bible says, add what? Brotherly what? Kindness. You notice that that's the quality of God. God is all holy, but when man makes mistakes, he doesn't destroy man right away. Is that true? And to your brotherly kindness, as if they didn't get it, they add what? Love. Next. For if these qualities, notice that they are qualities or attributes. Is that correct? Now, this is not the power of the Holy Ghost now. This is the fruit of the Spirit. These are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Am I making sense to anybody? If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that clear? Okay, next. For he who lacks these qualities is what? Blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Well, let's stop right there. All I want to show you is the qualities that we refer to as the gifts of the Spirit. So there are two places you can find them unblock. One is in Galatians 5. The next is Second Peter chapter 1. 
Amen? Is that clear for you? So we are going to take one of these qualities. That is faithfulness. And faithfulness is what? Used in most versions of the Bible. The King James uses the word faith for faithfulness also. So, but this faith here is not the same faith as spoken about as we belonging to the church as part of the body of Christ. That's a different shade of meaning. We dealt with that. And that's another shade of meaning we'll deal with. Faith with which we appropriate, which is the faith we've been teaching here. Is anybody following? The faith with which we appropriate grace and blessings. That's what, not what we are talking about here. Are you following? So then, and I thank God for the other versions of the Bible who use the word faithfulness for it. Amen. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Is it clear? Okay. So faithfulness is what we are dealing with. Bear in mind, in the King James Version, they list it as faith. <laughs> so it may be confusing. But the real meaning is what? Faithfulness. Because this is not faith. The faith with which we receive something from God. No. It's faith as a character. That's our quality of, uh, of character. That is, belongs to God and which he imparts to you. Faithfulness. And that's what you don't hear it in much of Christian teaching and preaching today. Are you all listening to me? You don't hear it because the faith we talk about, the faith to take, used to receive something and go. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. But this is important. I will tell you what makes this important. This is more important than that other faith. I will tell you why. So this faith or faithfulness is primarily a quality. So it's the shade of meaning of this word, faith. Of the word faith in this case. The shade of meaning is faith as a fruit of the spirit. Meaning faith as a divine quality of character. Faith as a moral virtue. And it's not a touch and go kind of faith. It's not a faith you just exercise now. Because you have a problem. And you want to exercise faith to get a breakthrough with God. No. This is faith on a different level. What did I say this faith is about? It's faith as character. Is, is that clear? Huh? Is faith as what? Character. It's not once in a while faith. Faith which you wait for a problem or you need to arise before you exercise. No. It's faith as a character. You know, when you have a character, it goes with you. Is that true? Okay. Character is like cologne. It smells even after you leave the room. <laughs> so, this is character. Alright? And who is original possessor of this character God the Lord God meaning the, the Godhead the Father the Son and the Spirit each of them manifests this this is their own so what do they do with this faithfulness they take it the father takes it and says, I want it for my children he gives it to Jesus Jesus comes down with it and then you believe in Jesus he will share it with you was Jesus faithful Okay. How often? Always. And then, when Jesus, you know, comes to share, we come into fellowship with him, the Holy Spirit takes it from Jesus and begins to impart upon each, inside each and every one of us. Because our God is faithful, he has that character of faithfulness. He wants us also to have that what? Character or quality of what? Faithfulness. Now, the easiest way to teach this faith or shade of meaning of faith or faithfulness, is to divide it into two. Because I said to you that God has it, 
and then he shares it with us. Is that correct? You know that God allows us to share his qualities with him. Are you aware of that? That's part of his grace. Remember that grace is God's offer of himself and what? All that he is. One of the things that is is, is faithfulness. So when he shares it with you, that's a part of grace. Because in, in and of ourselves, we cannot be faithful. As human beings, it's not native with us. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? So, here's how we're going to understand it best. This faithfulness has two parts. It has, and another word for it is trust. So, but we're going to divide it into two. One is trustfulness. That's the first part of it. The other part of it is trustworthiness. That's how God showed it to me. That's how I understood it clearly. What is the first part known? Trustfulness. What's the second part known? Known as trustworthiness. You say, Pastor, how, what's the difference? Let me tell you the difference. In trustworthiness, and both of us is we. This is the, these are the two ways we are going to exercise it. These are the two ways we are called to cultivate it. Because as fruit, what do you need to do with to get fruit from a plant? Cultivation. Are you all following? Okay, see. So uh, what are the two ways, our two goals of cultivation of faithfulness? I said number one is what? Trustfulness. Trustfulness. Number two is what? Trustworthiness. Trustworthiness. Okay. Before I go on, I want you to remember that this word faithfulness is a synonym of, of uh, 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 trustworthiness. It's a synonym of dependability. It's a synonym of reliability. Are you all following? So with trustfulness, it means the believer first sees God as faithful and relates with him, considers him and reckons with him as someone who is faithful. Let me say that again. With trustfulness, it is the believer's cultivation of faithfulness in the sense that he perceives or apprehends God. For all the things he knows about God, one of the most important things he must know and keep at the back of his mind is the fact that God is faithful or trustworthy. Are you all following? And that God and the, that believer begins to, on a constant or regular basis, begins to reckon with God as someone who is faithful or reliable or dependable in a perfect measure. How many of you know that not all Christians are able to do that? Are you all following what I'm saying? Amen. But when you're able to do that, then you're cultivating faith in the shade of meaning of faithfulness. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? And guess what? This quality is much bigger than waiting for when you have a problem and you start praying and pounding. Oh God, God, intervene, intervene. Do something about this. And we are believing you, God. God. That's lower level. And that's what majority of Christians do today. Anybody who gets an attitude of trustfulness towards God doesn't struggle when a problem arises because he's on a cruise control with God. Did you understand what I'm saying? And here's what I'm saying. We must 
begin from now to step out of the level whereby, yes, we have faith. We have great faith to believe God for healing. We have great faith to believe God for this, for this and for that. That's good. But that's elementary level. When you turn that faith into a regular and consistent attitude, when it goes from a moment-to-moment exercise or spiritual exercise and goes to a settled attitude whereby on a regular basis you see that God is faithful and you reckon with God as someone who is faithful or trustworthy or reliable and you walk with him with that mindset. That's faith as faithfulness. Am I making sense to anybody? Huh? I gave you an example last week. And we do this all the time with every other thing. How many of you have seats in their office on their regular job? You have a chair you sit on. No, seriously, I mean it. Everybody, I mean it. Or your home, you have a regular chair you sit on. How many times before you sit on that chair, you check on it, you check it and see? No, you tell me how many of you don't do that. Yeah, but, but you just come and sit. And you start calling on your children, bring water, bring this, bring that. You think you can fool me? That's what we do. How many of you, when you're about to enter your car tonight, you check the tires first? Who don't do that? Including me, I don't. I just go in and start the engine. And you know what happens? We don't even trust God. That day. But when you start that car, it doesn't work. Guess what? Oh, God. Am I making sense with anybody here? You walk to the bank. You don't ask them, how much money do you have for me before I put this, my money here? If you, can you show me your document? Let me see if you're FDIC insured. How many of us have asked the bank? We don't. We walk into the bank. They say, what do you have? May I help you, ma'am? And you start smiling. And when you come here, the usher say, good morning, he says. I help you, ma'am. It's your money. He said, what do you want? He said, I want to deposit the money. Why? You are trusting them. Because they call them bank. Immediately they call them bank. You say, these people must have, they, they, they know how to keep money. Better than me. Better than your wife. Better than your husband. The bank knows how to, is that not what we say? Are you following? You say, I want to make some deposit. You say, how much? You quote thousands. You didn't even ask the teller. Can I see your criminal, your, your, your fingerprint? You don't ask the teller. No, seriously. May I see your bank manager? I, I want to Google her, then or him, so I can come back. You give them the money. You know the only thing they give you after you give them the money? What do they give you? A receipt. And what do you do? You hit the door and keep going. And you come into the car, your wife says, did you deposit it? You say, yes. So how much do you have in the balance? Now you quote a figure, which may not be there tomorrow. Why? Can I explain to you? Because you have, you reckoned the bank faithful. You reckoned them trustworthy. And what you're exercising at that moment is called trustfulness. And if you can do that to a bank, to a chair, you can do that to God. Well, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't understand. Okay. And you know what? Count how many times you go to the bank. And you know what? Let me tell you, when you want that money, you drive, you, sometimes you don't even come out of your car. You go to a piece of machine equipment, drive through, 
you press some number and money comes out. But you can't do that to God. All of that is called trustfulness. Guess what? We are taking that, we're stealing it, the bank and us are taking it from God and taking it unto themselves. And we are joining them. It's good to trust the bank, but it can fail. Oh, yeah? But the one person who cannot fail, we are edgy. We can't leave anything to him. We cannot. Do you know that that trustfulness involves investment? Okay, say, Pastor, how do I trust? You first entrust. Steps to trustfulness. Number one, you do what? You entrust. Number two, what do you do? After you entrust, you keep trusting. When you take that money to the bank, you are entrusting money into the bank. You are investing. Can you invest anything on God? Yourself? Even your problem. Peter says, cast it all your cares upon him. Why? For he cares for you. That's the trustfulness we're talking about here. So you entrust. That's when you put that money in the bank. When you're walking away, you're trusting. When you go to bed at night, after you did the entrusting, you are still trusting. Does anybody follow? And you know, I have to give the banks credit. Many times on investment companies, the thing yields. Saving works. My wife always told me that. My parents told me, but I didn't pay much attention until my wife started telling me. Are you all listening to me? And we have seen it that it works. You know why we don't even trust God and why we have problems saving? Because it's not immediate. The result is not immediate. That's the problem we have. Trusting God. And that's why when we have problems, where we have immediate answer, the very fiber in us rise up. You notice that these fruits are, they need what? Cultivation. And the one who saves things have learned from what? Cultivation. The person has a sense of cultivation. That's why you get money you put in the bank. Let it grow. They say, let your money grow. But you don't want that. You want to plant tonight and take it tonight. So all you're waiting for is for trouble to arise. Say, God of miracle, my papa. Yay! <laughs> okay. So that's the... No, these are two sides of the same coin. What are the two sides? Trustfulness and word? Trustworthiness. The trustworthiness part of it. Hear me. I will say both of them and then we start looking at scriptures. You want to know the trustworthiness part of it, right? The trustworthiness part of it is you also cultivating a character of dependability or reliability so that people can also trust you. And guess who also wants to trust you? God. So you, there are two, two streams of character development here. Each of them comes under that same word, faithfulness. Do you want to be faithful? Huh? Okay. One way of being faithful, first step is to be learn to trust God. And trust things into God's hands and keep trusting. It's called trustfulness. Amen? Okay. What's the other side of the same coin? Trustworthiness which is another level of faith as a character. How do you do that? You train yourself to the point of being stable and steadfast, being consistent to the point that both God and man can depend on you and rely on you. It doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. Don't be afraid of that. At least start taking baby steps. Are you following? 
my daughter is there. Even my wife, I did that to my wife. When they started driving newly, I didn't trust them to go out there and make right decisions. I followed them. I was still dropping my wife to everywhere she went. One day she said, I want to go alone. As, the moment, as long as I kept driving with her, she's not going to develop herself. Are you following? I gave her time. When I, I find out later, she was one of the most careful drivers in the world. My daughter started driving, oh dear Lord. <laughs> After she got her license, everywhere she's going, we are monitoring her. Are you there yet? I don't do that anymore because she has proven when Chica went to Connecticut the other day, she just got her driver license and she was going to be there. I didn't, God knew how, knows how to fix you. Me, my wife and I, he didn't allow us to supervise Chica. Immediately she got her driver license, she has to go another state. <laughs> we were discussing about which car is we going to use. That was not where my mind was. I'm confessing. I said, that's not the issue. How is she going to drive? We have not driven, she hasn't driven on the highway before. I'd like to be there and watch them drive the highway. And she went there for one more. She was going on her way by herself. I, I prayed to God. I committed him to God's hands. I trusted God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The day we dropped her, my wife and I were having the same. I said, God, there's nothing I could, you know, if I have an opportunity, if I could change the schedule, she would just be starting that journey today. But God made it in such a way that it's like, trust me. Go home with your wife and sleep. And we did. The day they were coming back, guess who drove the mother from Connecticut there? One and a half hours. Guess who? Now the mom was giving her lecture. I called them on phone. This is how I hear her giving lecture. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm over with that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me? And God will challenge us every time. And then it will turn around. So you see, I trusted them. And you know what? Then they maintained that trust. Ibuka was driving alone. I wasn't allowing her to drive anybody. When I see that she's dependable now, she built her dependability. And some services, she, want, she wants to go early. If I and uh, grandma want to go with her, my wife and I will drive her when I'm going like that. They get home before us. Are you following? So God wants to be able to trust us. That's what Christian maturity will come to. Let's look at trustfulness. Let's look at a few scriptures on trustfulness. Are we, are we following? Did I make it clear to you? All right. So let's look at a few passages of Deuteronomy 7.9. Media, you got to go fast with me. Deuteronomy 7.9. I know your computer is slow. We're going to believe God for a new one for you guys. You guys are doing a good job. Okay, seven verse nine. Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God. Listen, what's the next thing? The faithful God. Notice the the, the character quality here is not powerful. You know, you can know that God is powerful, but if you don't know the fact that He's faithful. You won't, that power will not be of good use to you. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Because somebody can be powerful and but is not faithful. The power will not be of use to anybody. You see that? So you don't just get to know that God is powerful. You must. And this is a very important uh, uh, what do you call it? 
character quality that God has, which the believer's faith must see. That he's the faithful God. Who does what? How is he faithful? He keeps his what? Covenant. Look at that. And his what? Loving kindness to a thousandth generation. With those who do what? Love him and do what? Keep keep commanded. He also depends on them. That's what he's saying. Those who are also going to prove themselves faithful. He knows they will not be perfect. Are you following? But they have to show that character trait. He knows that we are not perfect. But he expects us. He wants to depend on us. He wants to rely on us. He wants when he shows up. You know what he said to Abraham? He said, I know he will teach the ch his children. He said, I stop by Abraham because I know him. That he's someone that will teach the children the way of God. God depended on Abraham to raise Isaac. <laughs> Are you following? In a godly way. If you want anything, one thing that God is, is wants is depending on you for is for you to raise your children. It's for you to take care of your congregation. Leaders, are you hearing me? There are many other areas. It's for you to take care of your marriage. Everything God has given to you, He's gave it to you with a mindset that He will trust you. He will depend on you to manage it. Do we mess it up sometimes? Yes. If you mess it up, don't kill yourself. Just realize you messed it up. Get back to him. Amen? All right. Is that verse 9, right? Go to the next verse. Let's, let me see what we're missing there. Amen? But he repays those who hate him to their faces. Let, 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 let's go to Psalm 33 quickly. Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verse 4. Psalm 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is what? Upright. And all his work is done in... Any, every believer must pay attention to this aspect of God. To every aspect of God. God's character. But what's the aspect we're dealing with now? Faithfulness. If you don't see God in this light, there are problems in your life that will not be solved. I only want amen for that. Are you all following him? For the word of the Lord is upright, right? Go back. And how many of his work? All his work is done in what? Faithfulness. Why? Because that's the character of him. So what is that asking us to do? What's this kind of word telling your faith to do? To see God, to perceive, to apprehend God as one who is what? Faithful. And to respond to him and work with him without mindset. Amen. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Let's go to, to um, Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1, quickly. Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. Hallelujah. If you can find it before the service of okay. Cast your bread. Because God is faithful, right? He says to you. Now, this is the believing part of it. If you don't see God as faithful, there are actions. There are words you can, you can utter. There are actions you can't undertake. Cast your bread on what? The surface of the waters. This is about giving. Giving anything. If you know that God is faithful. 
He said, cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after how many days? Many days. Cultivation. Divide your portion to seven. Seven that you give to seven, you say, oh, I've given out everything. He said, no, God wants one, a lot more. Or even to what? Eight, a new beginning. When you give seven, you completed giving. When he asks for eight, it's start again. Is that not faithfulness? See, you're, you're depending on him at the same time you're cultivating that God can depend on you. If God cannot depend on you, rely on you to do seven, he can't ask for eight. Does that make sense to you? Huh? Or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Again, God's faithfulness. If anything happens, if you gave your all to God and anything happened in the city, count on him. The faithful one is the one that you can count on. Is the one that is as good as his word. Are you all following? All right. Let's look at another scripture now. Let's go to hallelujah. Are we making sense here? All right. Let's go to amen. L let's go to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Are you there? Verse 3. Verse 3. But the Lord is what? Faithful. Did you notice that? You see, when you see that word, that is fact. What does fact impeach in your life? Faith. Those are biblical truths. Those are biblical facts. Is that true? But the Lord is what? Faithful. Is, that word is doing something to your faith. And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. When you rely on God, when you're going to bed, you don't, you're not afraid. When you're going on flight, you, you're not afraid. When you are going, any, doesn't matter where you're going, you know he's faithful. He will keep you and me. Is that, is that correct? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Quickly. 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 9. Let's see again what it says. God is what? Faithful. Do you see the emphasis? The emphasis. If God is faithful, what is he calling for from you? Trustfulness. Toward him. Praise God. Through whom you were what? Called into who? Into what? Fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ our Lord. Go with me to Timothy. Second uh, um, Timothy chapter 2 verse 13. We're almost done with the scriptures about trustfulness. Hallelujah. Amen. Next week we deal with the other side of it in terms of scripture. If we are faithful, if we are faithless, he remains what? Now, that's where the, when our imperfection kicks in. As long as we are not doing things by tricks towards God, as long as we are not playing games with us, if we are faithfulness first, just because of a real weakness, he remains faithful. But if you are playing games with him, he brings out his own games. I'm, I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I'm, I can't kid you, it's in the New Testament. Are you following? But if it's real sincere weakness that you couldn't help, he lets his faithfulness carry you through. 
So you know what that means? You can't go out here, oh, thank God for Pastor God. He tell me that I can, I don't have to be faithful all the time because I'm not perfect. No. God knows your heart. Are you all following? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot what? Deny himself. Let me tell you what it looks like if God will shrink from his nature, from his character of faithfulness. God sees it as he himself using foul language. That's how bad it is. That was why when he was telling, threatening to destroy Israel in the hearing of Moses, Moses said, if you do that, the other nations will say, you were not faithful. You took them out of Egypt and brought them in the wilderness. You can't take care of them anymore. He said, you only spent 40 years in the wilderness with them. They have been with Pharaoh for 430 years and Pharaoh tolerated them. We thought you are more faithful than Pharaoh. When Moses said that, he withdrew. Because his faithfulness is so important to him. When he makes covenant with servant, when they die and their children grow up, even when they are messing up, it doesn't shrink back. He said, because I swore to my servant David. Moses said, remember your covenant, your word of faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He cannot deny himself. Verse 14. Amen. Verse 14. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. So don't play games. Be careful with God. Let's go to another scripture. First John 1 John 1.9. Come on. Come on. Are you all following this? You have to be trustful. Even when things don't work well, even when you fail, trust that God will mend it as long as you repent. Are you following? Because the devil can tell you that your repentance is not a you don't really repent. You, you, you know, you do that, that, blah, blah, blah. No. The devil is a very good legal expert. But you know what overcomes him? The faithfulness of God. Are you listening to me? If we confess our sins... Whoa. He is what? Faithful and what? Righteous to do what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Listen to me. Here's what the Bible says. He's faithful and what? Righteous. Let me tell you. Because when he sees our weakness and we commit this, don't go about intentionally committing sins because this will not work for you. When out of weakness, we couldn't make it. God says, I'm faithful. As long as you repent, he keeps you going. And the devil comes to challenge him. You see, this one did this. You're still going along with him. I did that. You didn't. So tell me how you can claim to be just. You're not a just God. You're not righteous. No. The Bible says, yeah, he's faithful to his own. Even they fell. And you know what? He's also righteous. How could you be faithful and be righteous at the same time? He said, because their sins were paid for through the blood of Jesus. Our sins... We didn't walk away from our sins in the sense. We somebody paid for it. We walked away only because somebody paid for it. God didn't overlook our sins. He punished it in Jesus. So the devil cannot accuse him of what? Injustice. Because somebody died for us. Mr. Devil, nobody died for you. So God is faithful to forgive us and still be a just God. Or did I say a just God? Let me take that back. The only just God. 
I didn't hear an hallelujah for that. I didn't hear a shout. Amen. Romans 4, quickly. Romans 4, quickly. Hmm. 20 to 21. I have 36 seconds. 20 to 21. 33 seconds. 32. Come on. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in what? Unbelief. That's Abraham. But grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Amen. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also to what? Perform. Is that not faithfulness? Both Abraham and Sarah, that's what just saw them through. Hebrews 11, 11, quickly. Hebrews 11, 11, quickly. Let's see how Sarah act, acted on the faithfulness of God. Amen. I know it's off, but it's okay. Let's take that le- last part. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself, we said it last week, received what? Ability to do what? Conceive, even beyond the proper time of life. Since, why? Sarah exercised something more than faith. Sarah exercised faithfulness. Remember I told you there were two different levels. Sarah did not just one time exercise faith to conceive Isaac. He exercised the faith after that encounter with God. But you know what he did? She did. She continued to trust. She said, well, I, my, my, my womb is gone. My appetite for meeting with my husband is even gone. But since God said it, I'm going to commit that whole thing into his hands. And what, what made her feel see that she saw God's faithfulness? How do I know? She, she, since she considered him faithful who had what? Promised. Did you notice where Sarah's faith came from? When God spoke, he said, by the way, this God that spoke has a history. Have you heard people say that somebody has a history? You know, when they say you have a history of something, that means they're expecting. That's, that, that's an expectation. Even in the medical field, when they bring you for surgery anesthesia, they say he has a history of so-so-so. They're giving you a red line. That means on the table, that his, that situation might manifest during or after. So you pay attention. Is that correct? If you are dealing with somebody in business, they say, be careful. They say, why? No, I'm just saying be careful. You say, tell me something. If they want to say the minimum, they say he has a history of running away with people's investment. They say, thank you, Jesus. Are you all following what I'm saying? Sarah said that God has a history. What is the history? When he says something, he's faithful. He has a history of faithfulness. And you know what? God wants us to have a history too. That's why Peter said, if you know that God has a history of doing what he promised, he said, cast your cares upon him. Why? For he cared for you. How often? Or he's on a cruise. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. For I know he will perfect what I have committed into his hands. Trustfulness. And you know what? You don't just walk away hearing this message. No. You have to start doing what? Entrusting. There are things you have to take deliberately, like you're walking to the bank. How many of you stumble into the bank into a bank by accident? I, I want to see if anybody just stumbled. I can understand you trying to shop something on JCPenney and you run out. Not even these days, because you may have your credit card. So most of the time, when you want to go to the bank, you know you're going to the bank. 
Are you all following? In the days past, when there were no credit cards, you may say, well, I must go to the bank. But these days, but when you need to go to the bank, you, need to, you don't stumble. You go there, you want to make a deposit. Even doing it electronically needs more faith. Because when all these things started, you do electronically, the next day you go there to find out if he entered. <laughs> Is that not true? You say you go there to find out. Did he come in? I, I didn't tell my wife this story. I have to tell you. About three weeks ago, I went to the bank to make a withdrawal. The one on Gone Hero there. And I remember a story my wife told me. I put my credit card. They said, this machine is not giving cash at this time. I started to get my cards out. It couldn't come out. I said, what? I tried and tried. It wouldn't come. I said, I'm not going anywhere. And <laughs> the, the day was getting dark. I said, I'm not getting... Another guy came there. He said, do this, do this. I said, yes. I tried. He's not coming. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. There were men doing construction in the bank. I called them. They said, don't talk to us. We don't have anything. I said, okay, we'll stay here. I remember a story. <laughs> I won't call the country where they came from. A guy went with a wife to get money from the bank. Card got TM. Card got stuck. He said, they are not going anywhere. Send the wife home to go and get pillow and mattress. <laughs> I, you know, seriously, it was a true story. In the 90s, just happened. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say the country where the person comes from. <laughs> One of the Asian countries. And he cleared everybody. And nobody will use that machine. He said, my card is there, number one. He said, wife, go and get pillow and get the <laughs> Sometimes you have to just Stuff like this with God. He said, God, I'm not going away until. Is that not what Jacob did? So why I brought the pillow? And they said, we're sleeping there. I don't know how they got them out. I'm serious. You have to hold on to God. Praise the Lord. Were you blessed tonight? Oh, why don't we stand and just bless the Lord and rejoice in the Lord.